folk, and we hope and pray today that God takes His Word, the truth of His Word, and burns it deep within our soul to forever make us like Him. Remember, the Bible reminds us over and over that God is working in the redeemed for the sole purpose to make us to the very image of His Son, Jesus Christ. That should be the end result in all of our lives as we journey in life itself. And I'm so thankful that God has allowed men who have gone before us, who have fought the battles, who've paid the price, who have suffered the shame, to give us instructions on how we too can face the difficulties of sin in our lives. You know, a man who thinks he's without sin, in Gary's edition, is a fool. If we think we stand, take heed, lest you fall. Sin is something that always is present, and it's always pertinent, and many times we think it is pleasurable. But may I say, if we read the psalm with an open heart, a willing mind, we will see there are consequences to forgiven sin. Lewis is the only pastor I know that invites preachers to preach and then tells them what to preach. I guess that's a sure way to stay safe, amen? And when he called me sometime back and said, Dad, would you preach for me on the 30th? And um, I said yes before I knew what his assignment was. And his assignment was Psalms 38, but it also reminded me sort of like Isaiah. When the Lord asked Isaiah who will go, Isaiah raised his hand. He said, Lord, here am I. Send me. He had no clue where he was going. He went to a Baptist church. You do know that, right? He went to a people that had no ears to hear, no eyes to see. But folk, here we are today. I believe God's divine intervention, God's appointment for we that are here today to make sure that we pay close attention to the consequences of forgiven sin. If you have your copy of God's Word, we will begin reading Psalms 38 and verse number 1. It says, A Psalm of David for the memorial offering. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have sunk into me, and your hand has come down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. My iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They're too heavy for me. My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. I'm utterly bowed down and prostrate all the day. I go about mourning, for my sides are filled with burning, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and I'm crushed. I groan because of the torment of my heart. O oh Lord, all my longing is before you, and my sign is not hidden from you. My heart throbs, my strength fails me, and the light of my eyes it is also gone from me. My friends and companions stand aloof 
from my plague, and my nearest kin stand far off. Those who seek my life lay their snares, and those who seek my hurt speak of not ruin and meditate treacherously all the day long. But I'm like a deaf man I do not hear, like a mute man who does not open his mouth. I become like a man who does not hear and whose mouth are no rebukes. But for you, O Lord, I do wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer. For I said, only let them not rejoice over me who boast against me when I, or when my foot slips. For I'm ready to fall and my pain is ever before me and I confess my iniquities and I'm sorry for my sin. But my foes are vigorous. They're mighty and many are those who hate me wrongfully. And those who render evil for good accuse me because I follow after good. Do not forsake me, O Lord, O my God. Be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord of my salvation. Father, again, we pause in your presence to thank you for this day and for the opportunity, God, you've given to us to gather around and to feast on your word. I pray today, God, you take your word and they leap from the pages of this book we call the Bible to the depth of our heart to forever change us to be like you. Thank you again, Father, for the privilege that you've granted to me to preach your word. And so God be glorified through it all, and we'll be careful to praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. In the background of this scripture, Absalom is soon to be rebellion against all those things that maybe he had been taught of his father, and this was bringing torment to David. His body and his mind was all tortured because of what was taking place. And in the midst of all of this, he really had nowhere to turn. It seems to be that his family and his friends were threatening him in a very hostile way. And so his enemies were even coming against David. And as we look at this passage of Scripture, we know David is the one who penned these words, is not there are calls. And that was when he was facing Goliath. But we know David already knows the answer to that question in this passage of Scripture. David understands and perfectly realizes that he is now reaping what he sows. Somehow we have forgotten that in the day in which we live. We forget about the idea that there is a payday someday. If we dance to the music, we will pay the fiddler. Amen. And so here we know in this psalm is one of the third pentel psalms of of David. And he indicates in this psalm that it is used also as a remembrance. You know, what an amazing passage of Scripture for a memorial weekend. You know, we do need to remember those who gave their life for our freedom But David is saying to us that there's far more that we must make sure we never forget. And that is to remember the cost of our sins. 
And so here David again lays his confession out. And this psalm is used in the Jewish service on the great day of atonement. Matter of fact, they sang this and it's a haunt to say to these people of the despair that sin brings to the believer. Wow, what an incredible man David is. We see David now as man. Maybe in the eyes of many, he was sought as and seen as the king. But David has now taken off his crown, taken off his robe, and he's exposed his heart. He's wanting everybody to see the consequences of his sin. And so as we read in verses 1 through 3, he says, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have sunk into me, and your hand has come down on me. There's no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation, and there's no health in my bones because of my sins. May we be honest today with ourselves. We never think of the consequences of sin when we begin the journey of flirting with sin. We never give it a thought at all what our sins will end up causing or costing us in our lives. We must remember there's an old truth that every preacher that's ever breathed this passage of Scripture has made these statements. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you far more than you're willing to pay. Matter of fact, Moses explained sin to only last for a season or pleasure to only last for a season because I'm here today to tell us and to remind us sin has a consequence and so here David is receiving his due reward for his deeds and in the text itself he explains and he emphasizes those aspects of his sin the consequences of his sin now may I say to us today that we should make sure that some way we underlined maybe these scriptures as well as in our memory what those consequences are when we sin against God. Number one, we see David cries out that there is a divine anger that is against David. That's why he starts out saying, Oh, Yahweh, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Folk, David has no doubt that the condition in which he finds himself is a direct result of God's judicial dealings with his sin. Make sure you underline that you see the bible reminds us we never get away with sin for instance hebrews chapter 13 verse 4 the writer of hebrews says let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be be defiled undefiled rather for god will judge the sexual immoral and the adulteress 
Folks, this is worth remembering in our day of loose morals. I want you to know the writer of Hebrews did not say that God might or God may, but it says that God will judge the sins of the sexually immoral and the adulterous. You may think that you've got away with it, but I'm here today to tell us and to remind us your sins or your guilt of your sins may be postponed for a time, but there is coming a day when payday comes. R.G. Lee had a great famous message entitled Payday Someday. So I'm here to tell us and to remind us today if we're flirting with the idea of being immoral or, or uh, sexually unpure, you bet to make sure you understand God one day is going to hold you accountable. But listen, there are ways today that sexual immoral sins will affect you. We know that there's over some 20 sexual transmitted diseases today. I've had people to come before me and say, Preacher, you can't talk about that in church. I beg to differ with you. Matter of fact, I think if you don't talk about that in church and teach your children at a young age how to be sexually pure, when the time comes, the devil's going to train them in the ways of the world. That's a good place for a hearty amen. I've never been ashamed to say to people that sexual purity is not a dirty word. Virginity is not a dirty word. It's a pure word. It's what God made. And I'm also to remind us sex is not dirty outside of marriage. But without the ramifications of marriage, listen to me, sex is a sin. And it has consequences. As I've said, there's some 20-something transmittal sexual diseases today. They cause anywhere from blindness to deafness to liver problems to kidneys problems to genital problems. The list goes on and on and on. And so we realize and understand that God does not allow us to get away with those things by which He says one day we will be judged for. And so, may I say today, if you're here flirting with the idea of being sexually immoral or unfaithful to your spouse, you better make sure you smell the coffee before you leave the house. Because I'm here to tell you, judgment will come. And then we see the consequences of sin as well. When David has this daily anguish, Verse 3, it says in Psalms 38, listen to what he says. There is no soundness in my flesh because of my iniquities, and there's no health in my bones because of my sin. Folk, listen, David is crying out before us. There is coming a time that if you are unfaithful to the will of God, that you're going to suffer these consequences. And listen to me, before David ever started this journey, I'm almost positive he never thought about this aspect of it. And you know what? Can I be honest with most of us here today? When you start in that little journey of sin, you never think about the consequence either, do you? Matter of fact, many times over, we find it to be pleasurable. The folk I'm here to remind us again, God says, go ahead. 
play with fire, you're going to get burned. And so as he sets out before us, David is crying out to us and reminding us, you need to think about these things before you take the leap. I really believe that maybe the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, may have been inspired not only by the Holy Spirit of God, but by this passage of Scripture to write this Scripture. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. And as I said, God has many ways, and he has many weapons to bring against the bodies of those who refuse to listen to the authority of God's Word. Folks, listen, I'm here again to remind us, God doesn't mix words. God said what he meant, he meant what he said, and it's not up for debate. Boy, I am sick and tired of the day by which we live that you and I are listening to debates over issues that have been settled long ago in the mind and the heart of God. And matter of fact, they are so forever settled, they written in the, in the Word of God that will not pass away. And so what we must do We must understand the principle that David is trying to help us to realize, and that is God is angry toward your sin. We don't talk about that anymore. Oh, Brother Gary, please don't tell me God gets angry when I sin. He's a loving God. He's a kind God. But listen, He is a just God, and He is a holy God, and He is a righteous God, and therefore... He cannot look away from sin and not judge it. Don't ever forget that. You may think you got by, but God's got somebody that can put his finger on your sin just like he did David. Amen? And so here, God reminds us that, listen, he has a divine anger. But listen, that divine anger also can be a daily anguish. You know, David's mind, folk, (laughs) David's mind ate him alive. And you can see this as you read the Scripture. When he talks about this heavy burden, they're too heavy for me. I'm here to tell you that I don't think David could lay down at night and rest without thinking about the consequence of his sin. All that he had done against his God. The one who said that he was a man after God's own heart. And so now we move on to where he deals with the consciousness of his sin. He's made aware of it in verse 4. Again, my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They're too heavy for me. My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. Wow. Pope David was suffering. He hadn't thought about this idea either when he began that journey of sin. Here the word iniquities used brings out all the wrong and the crookedness of sin that David had committed. He had gone over his head. It pretty much reminds us of the Eastern Porters. If you've ever been to a third world country and you watch these dudes and these women, they walk down the road with with baskets on their head that's loaded down with produce. And you wonder how those little bitty legs carry such heavy loads. This is what David's trying to betray to us. He's trying to remind us, folks, it's over his head. It's a heavy burden. 
And I want you to know sin is burdensome. If you can enjoy sin and not be burdened by it, I want you to hear me, and I make no mistake and no bones about it. You do not know my Jesus. Because my Bible tells me them that he loves, he chastens, be zealous, therefore, and repent. He also tells us in Hebrews that, that God chastens his children. And if we're not being chastened by God, we're illegitimate children. We don't belong to him. So if you can continue in your sin and enjoy your sin without the consequences of your sin, then folk, listen to me and hear me well. When the invitation is given in a moment, you need to run to the altar and get your life right with Christ. Matter of fact, may I go on and say you should do it now because you may not have the opportunity to make it to the altar. God might strike you dead now oh now brother gary you're going to use fear i'm not using fear i'm using fact how many of you know you're going to live to the end of this service raise your hand so how important is your salvation when is the time now and folk i can tell you in the 34 years of ministry i can write you a book after book after book of people who almost were persuaded. But I'm here again to remind us of God's grace and His love that at any moment in time during this process of this message, when God's Spirit deals with your heart, you must confess that you are a sinner. Here David carries on and tells us about all the sufferings that he is going through. My wounds stink and they fester because of my foolishness. Folk, I'm here to tell you there was a stench in the nostrils of David and his sin stunk. I remember when in New Orleans we had the Southern Baptist Convention, I think it was 93, anyhow we... We're there, and there were some guys from Ohio, pastors that we met and made friends with, and they wanted to go to Bourbon Street. I said, of all places in New Orleans you want to go, well, that's all we've ever heard. That's all we've ever heard. That's all we've ever heard. I said, well, I'll take you to Bourbon Street. So we walked on Bourbon Street. We went about from here to that door. And that pastor looked at me and he said, enough, I'm ready to go back. He said, I got enough illustrations to last for a year. And I'm telling you, he said, the stench of sin is in my nostrils. Folk, I'm here to tell you sin stinks. And you can't get away from the smell. David could not get away from the smell of his sin. And it was ever haunting him with every breath that he ever took. So we see again, David has no problem expressing his hurt, his sorrow. Have you ever wondered in reading this passage of Scripture why Samuel or the Chronicles didn't say something about this? They never missed the agony of David's sin. Maybe they felt that they couldn't come against royalty. But I'm here today to tell you David had no problem with bearing his soul. To say to the world, your sin, it's going to affect you. It's going to cause you trouble. 
It's going to make a stench in your nostrils that you can't get away with. And it's going to haunt your mind 724 or 24-7. You can't outrun it. You can't put it to sleep. It'll wake you up in the middle of the night. And so David, again, had no problem confessing his sin to the public. It's on record. And it's there for you and I to learn and to make sure we do not make the same mistakes. I'm thankful that David was willing to bear his soul to shed on me the light of what my sin will cause in my life. Next we see he was distressed. (laughs) Verse 6, I'm utterly bowed down and prostrate all the day. And I go about mourning, for my sides are filled with burning, and there's no soundness in my flesh. Folks, listen, David, he was more than physically bothered. He was distressed in his mind. Folks, I believe today a lot of the issues that we deal with in the society we live, dealing with depression and those other things, is simply un. Confess sin that eats you alive. And David is dealing with that. The Bible says he had flame or he had inflammation. He had a fever. Something inside of him was burning. We don't know what that is. We don't know if he had kidney stones. <laughs> Have you ever had kidney stone? Hello? I remember the first time I had kidney stones, I thought I'd die. Matter of fact, I called my wife. I said, if you want to see me alive, you better get to the hospital now because I'm headed that way. And then they put me in a room in the back and I sat there for about 25 minutes and watching the nurses go by, I finally told my wife, would you please get up and shut the door? I don't want them to see me die. And then they sent five little student nurses in there. I mean, they had their little caps on, their little white and they said, uh, Mr. Richardson, we're here to give you some relief. Uh, we're going to start an IV. And they poked me about 72 times. And the last time the little girl went to poke me, she said, oh, Mr. Richardson, I'm so sorry. I said, no, ma'am, you're God sent. She said, what? I said, you're God sent. You've made me forget all about those kidney stones. Just keep poking away. But folk, I want you to know, in the mind of David, what he was suffering was real. Nothing funny about that. He was tortured within his own body because of his own sin. And David has sorrow for his sin. And he reminds us of that in verses number 9. Oh, Lord, my longings is before you, and my sighing is not hidden from you. My heart throbs, my strength fails me, and the light of my eyes, it also has gone from me. Folk, listen to me. David had lost all sense of any type of victory, any type of vitality, and any sense of vision. I'm here to tell you, David was defeated, depressed, and he was in a dark hole in his life. Sort of reminded me of old Lot. You remember after Lot and his 
wife had looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt. The Bible tells us that Lot went and dwelled in a cave in Zoar. Have you ever been in a cave? Do you know how dark and cold it is in a cave? I can just picture David in a spiritual cave. In a moment of time of dread and darkness where there is no hope. Oh, he felt like his soul was lost, but yet he's crying out to Jehovah God. And he's crying out that God would do a work in his life. Now, as you study this passage of Scripture, or if you have, you'll find there are some commentaries that believe that maybe the reason David is suffering so by his friends and his family is that he may have been plagued with leprosy. Leprosy was a disease back in those days by which no one could come in contact with you and that it caused great senses of pain and horror. The Bible reminds us that in this pain, David was moaning, groaning, roaring like a lion. I can picture David in my mind as he's dealing with the pain and the agony of his sin, but also the hurt that he had caused to his God, that within him there were moans and growlings that were coming forth that were even scaring his servants. I could imagine they were sitting on the other side of the wall thinking, oh my goodness, what did our king do? David was crying out. He was moaning out to God. He was in anguish because he had sinned against his God. So I'm here to remind us, folk, you and I too, when we find ourselves sinning against God, we find ourselves in moments of agony, excruciating agony as we're moaning toward God for his forgiveness. But also, as you look at this passage of Scripture, you find out that David's silent. All of a sudden, the sweet singer of Israel has no song. All his joy is gone. Have you, have you ever met people who profess to be Christians that look like they've been weaned on dill pickle juice? You ever met those folks? They got a frown on both sides. I mean, they wouldn't be happy for anything. If you hung them with a new rope, they'd still complain. But folk, a lot of time, the reason people are so miserable and are unhappy is because, folk, they haven't experienced the forgiveness of their sin. And so David, though here, he's silent. He stands before them as one being deaf or dumb. He was so overwhelmed with his own situation, folk, that David simply sat there deaf and dumb in the presence of God. Can you see it again? Can you see the sweet singer of Israel in his misery? That now he has no song to sing before his Savior. Folk, I'm here to tell you sin separates you from the joys of your salvation. And so we go on and we look in verses 15 through 22. I'm trying my best to do good to this scripture. Folks, we could stay here till Lewis got back. Amen. But, but in the closing of this passage of scripture, we, we see that there are some supplications that are made by David. 
and he cries out in verse 15. He cries out to the Lord, but you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer. For I said, only let them not rejoice over me who boast against me when my foot slips. David is pleading with the Lord to hear him. It's amazing in this passage of Scripture, David calls on a couple of names that is used for the Lord. One is Jehovah. He's crying out to the person of Jehovah, that quality of God, that covenant God, that graceful God, that gracious God, that merciful God, that compassionate God, the one who on his own free will sought out to pay the sins of mankind. He was asking for this God to reveal himself. And then he was crying out to Elohim, the God of all creation, who could just sit at easy to be able to recover a leper. You know, as I think about this, I think about 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 when God reminds us that we are a new creation. Old things have passed away. <laughs> you know, that's a very amazing passage of Scripture. That word creation is the same word by which you find in Genesis you know the same power that God took to create the heavens and the earth He used to create you new again? To make you brand spanking new? You are a new creation in Christ? Wow. That same power God invested in creating the world, He's now invested in you as a believer. That's amazing, isn't it? That's the God we serve. That's the God, folk, who desires a relationship with us. And so he asked the Lord to hear him. And then he asked the Lord in verses 17 through 18 to heal him. Well, David was feeling his remorse. David mentions both his contrition and his confession. He's wanting to get right with God. He's no longer wanting to play the game. You know, folk, I've seen it. I've seen folk who've come and cried before the Lord and moan before the Lord and all those other things before the Lord and soon as church is over they leave the presence of the people they right back into the same old same old folk that's not true repentance that's not true remorse for your sin there are a lot of folk remorseful that they got caught But how remorseful are you over your sin? Are you remorseful enough to get out of it? To quit it? To leave it alone? Because, folks, listen, God never turns a blind eye to sin. Sin always has a consequence. And we will pay one day. And so he asked the Lord to heal him, to help him. And then he asked the Lord again uh, to, to do a work in his life in verses 19 through 20. But my foes are vigorous and they are mighty and many are those who hate me wrongfully. Those who revenge me evil for good accuse me because I follow after good. Folks, listen, David was aware of what was happening in his kingdom. David knew that Absalom's affair was coming to an head. 
And David also knew that there was going to have to be someone with a sound mind and the mental stability to make decisions in order that the state that which he was over could continue forward for the glory of God. And he was asking God to do a work in his life. And then when we get to the close, he asked the Lord to consider his situation. Look at what I'm facing Look at who's coming against me. Look at all the wrongful things that are being said. But then he ends by saying, listen, I don't only need to consider my situation. I need to consider my Savior. Amen. Folk, in times like these, we need to consider our Savior. What he says, do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. Folk, that's always a great argument with God. You know it? (laughs) Lord, let me remind you, I'm yours, and you're my Savior. The Lord, he said, is my salvation. Sort of reflects back to Psalm 51. Do you notice as you read that passage of Scripture, David never asked God to save him again? But what David did ask was, God, restore the joy of my salvation. Again, David is moaning because he has lost his relationship with the Lord in peace and harmony. But he hadn't lost his relationship in the Lord as his Lord and Savior. And he's asking God to restore that. Because you are my salvation. I don't know if you realize when you read, and this may be a stretch, but, but I did find a few commentators to agree with me. This could be a type of Christ. David could be a type of Christ. As he's crying out in his agony, you remember, in God's, or in Jesus' deep, dark, moment in Gethsemane in his agony that sin was placed on him your sin and my sin and because of our sin that was placed upon him it caused the father to turn his back on his son Jesus maybe this could be a type of Christ being portrayed to these people that your sin has been placed on your Savior. And we see also David says, not a word. He doesn't speak out. Does that not remind you of Jesus when they riled against him that he spoke not a word? Could this be a type of Christ to remind us in our sinfulness that there is a God who feels our hurt, who feels our shame, but who is still willing to call us His child to set us free from the burden of our sin? Can you see Him? Can you see Him pleading with you this morning? Because can I say something to us today and be dead? My wife says, don't say this. But dead, good, honest... (laughs) Do you know who knows you better than you know yourself this morning? 
Do you know this morning who knows who is in this building flirting with the dangers of sin? Do you know who's willing to call your name with clarity? And make no bones about it, he never gets the wrong person. He's got your number. You don't believe that? Call Adam 812. He had Adam's number also. And so I encourage you this morning as we look at this psalm, that wherever you are in your relationship with God, please don't think that God's not aware of all things going on in your life. And please know that He knows if you're flirting with sin. And He's sounding the horn today, the warning that there will be consequences if you continue to progress forward in your sin-seeking life. He loves you. Matter of fact, let me tell you how much He loves you. He loves you so much. Today, Right now, if you're entangled in the web of sin, God's willing to deliver you, to take the chains and set you free. But you must ask. You must believe that God is able to deliver me. Amen? I'm going to close with this illustration. I read not long ago that there was a buggy, or a man looking for a buggy driver, someone that would come and drive his family into town and um, would make sure that they were safe. The deal was he lived up on a mountain, and he wanted to make sure the buggy drivers were, were very aware of the situations and the surroundings. And so the first man knocked on the door and he answered the door and he said, sir, he said, I'm here to apply for that buggy driving job. I want to drive your family into town. That old man said, okay, come go with me. And so they stood on the top of that mountain and as they looked down as the road made its way through the mountain, he asked the buggy driver, he said, man, how close? Can you get to the edge and not wreck? Oh, and buggy driver said, man, I'm a professional. I can get at least a foot. He said, okay, thank you. The next man knocked on the door. He said, here, I'm, I'm ready to apply for that job of the buggy driver. And he said, okay. He said, uh, let me take you out and ask you a question. So he brought him in, looked at the same path, and he says, son, how close could you get to the edge without falling off oh man he said look I, i'm the best buggy driver in the world i can get six inches he said okay so a few days went and both men showed back up and wanted to know who was going to get the job and the old man said well to be honest with you neither they said well why not he said you answered the question wrong so what do you mean he said, it shouldn't be how close you can get to the edge. It's how far you could stay away keeping my family safe. Mom and dad, 
How close are you to the edge that your children are following and they're watching? Grandma, Grandpa, how close to the edge are you that your children are watching and following? Young people, how close to the edge are you when you have friends who are looking up to you? It's not how close, but how far can you stay away? I'm telling you, with God's help, you can stay far. You can flee from sin. And I'm here today to tell you again and to remind you at this moment of invitation, it's not time for you to fold your Bible up and get ready and go home. Matter of fact, if this was my church and I was preaching this message, the invitation would be when you're right with God, you could leave. But this is not my church. This is my son's church, and how they do invitation is up to them. But I'm here today to tell you it's not time to get ready to go home because if you walk out of this room today and you're standing on the edge, unwilling to repent, payday, Someday is coming, and the consequences of your forgiven sin will haunt you all the days of your life. Will you stand? Father, again, we love you. Praise you. We thank you for our day. Thank you for the opportunity we have to come together, to study your word, to open up the bread of life. And Father, again, I am so grateful. That, Lord, our Heavenly Father loves us unconditional. And that He's made a way. And He's paid the price. And that, Father, we'd put our faith and trust in Him and Him alone. That, Father, He will deliver us. He will set us free. He will put our feet on the solid rock. And that, Father, we can stand on the foundation that is unshakable. And so, Father, it's my prayer again this morning, those that may be here today, and Lord, there's no doubt in my mind or my heart, with as many as here this morning, there are those that are dealing with the consequences of sin. Father, maybe today they would be willing to come lay it all on the altar and ask for your forgiveness. And Lord, may we also realize that we can run to this altar as well and pray, God, for your strength. That, God, we not find ourselves in positions of compromise. And that, God, our light will always shine bright for the glory of the Father. And that those around us might see our good work and might come to faith in Him. And so, Lord, this is your invitation. This is the time when we have finished what we've been asked to do. And, God, that your Spirit woo as only you can. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What we